will fix you. Hello, and welcome to We Will Fix You, the podcast that sits on the 800-pound gorilla. Joining me tonight to uh, sit about and chat, Mr. H.J. Doom, who has a portrait in the attic, mysteriously aging at the exact same rate as their body. Good evening. I am Roger Hart, invigilator designate for that exam you have to pass before they let you wear a cravat. You know the one. And of course, Mr. Dave Convery, the awkward, reedy, singing voice of the Mr. Ons. You alright? Hello. If you would like a little spot of advice from this merry trio, why not write to us at we will fix you show at gmail.com or on the internet at hauntedphonograph.com. One such person has written to us already and their dilemma is festive. Yes. I, they begin, adore, they continue, Christmas. Yes. Everyone in a good mood, everything covered in sparkles. The music is gloriously awful, and that's just the lead up. However, the person who sits next to me at work hates Christmas. He doesn't want us to decorate and is generally Grinch-like. What should I do? How do I behave over my beloved season? Try to encourage him to enjoy it, or try to dampen my own enthusiasm, or something else entirely. Help me. Mr. Convery. Well, first of all, I should preface my fix with the fact that most of what I know about life, I know from the kinder, simpler films of Hayes Code era Hollywood. These are uh, movies that show us a gentler time, a less morally demanding time, a time when smiling Americans could solve every problem with a little bit of can-do attitude, shucks a little bit of hard work and, yes, darn it, an impassioned treatise against miscegenation from the town preacher that morphs into a genuinely implausible dance number at the end. It's in the spirit of this golden age of the screen that I bring you my answer. Now, bear in mind that to modern ears, it might sound slightly like stalking, gaslighting, another classic, uh, and possible mental torture. Uh, but that's just because you're unfamiliar with the down-home, small-town ways of people like Jefferson Smith, George Bailey, and Nyarlathotep, the crawling chaos. Now, you're going to make them love Christmas, and you're going to make them love Christmas with an escalating series of farcical scenes that relate to them just what a party pooper they're being, how their life will be so much better when the magic of Christmas is in it for two, three months a year, and how conformity is a blissful balm and not the sad, damp blanket that they've been worried about. The more they conform, the less chance there is of them catching the eldritch eye of the Black Pharaoh whose gaze quails suns. So start small but feisty. Just say things like, I can't believe you don't like Christmas. We're going to have to do something about that. 
it's important to put them sort of gently on edge so that they know that they're participating in something, that, that, that something, something is coming. Try, I can't believe you don't celebrate Christmas. Our Lord the Dweller in Darkness didn't co-op the festivals of the False God so you can be a big old Grinchy poo. A little apprehension on their part can be parlayed into their playing along more readily later. Um, and if you need to calibrate this, think sort of exasperated Jack Lemon character. That's what we want them to be, sort of Jack Lemon in the apartment rather than flight risk. So from there, from laying the groundwork, we're into act two now, and you need to escalate your Christmas-themed enthusiasms. So awful Christmas-themed drinks should be a constant presence, which is fine, thanks to capitalism. Um, bad jumpers humming the festive songs. All of the normal Christmas stuff, but ramping its presence up to the point that it saturates their environment at all times. You need to create in them the sort of panic acceptance uh, that, that you would otherwise buy, for example, waterboarding someone. Think of it as an enhanced interrogation with Christmas. Once you've, once you've done that, move on to the big ticket stuff. Let them know that since they've not taken Christmas and the Haunter in the Dark into their hearts, you're going to have to escalate if they're to have a glorious festive time of the year. This should create the necessary panic in them to really break through and shatter any remaining defences that they have. We're in Act 3, after all, and in Act 3 everything is broken and remade, so here are some suggestions. Build an ice rink in their front room. Hire a mall Santa to follow them everywhere they go. Everywhere. Do the same, but with an adorable children's choir. Uh, they tend to have a lot of free time, right? Get people to play the ghosts from A Christmas Carol. So, I mean, this is your time. This is your big Christmassy crescendo. So really have fun with it. But if you judge it right, and you keep them in a near perpetual state of festive terror for the whole of December, they should snap and take the true spirit of the season, Nyarlathotep, into their hearts. Thank you. And praise be to the Watcher in the Pyramid. Interesting, Mr. Conroy, interesting. So, um, I think some of mine might sort of synergize quite neatly with some of yours. Some of these techniques could overlap. Um, whereas you've made a very sensible appeal to the the outer forces that watch over our lives, I've, I've gone with a couple of other techniques. So, dear questioner, you, you, it's unfortunate. You have a situation where you and another person both have competing desires. And the outcomes you seek are incompatible. You want Christmas, he wants no Christmas. This is, sadly, a zero-sum game. A zero-sum game in economics and game theory is a situation in which basically one party's gains and the other's losses cancel through. If you and I both equally value a tasty cupcake or a jar of pickled herring or something, and I eat it and you don't, I get plus one herring, you get minus one herring, and we net out at a grimy zero herring. It's a puzzler, it's, it's hard to fix, it's one of the problems of humans living together. But. As we all know, game theory is exclusively peddled by either academic mathematicians who have no time for such earthly trivia as the festive season, or by fedora-topped internet mansplainers looking for a fig leaf of trendy pseudoscience to cover their questionable attitudes to sexual consent and their unwillingness to shower. 
And this brings us perfectly to, if not the most successful, then certainly the loudest proponents of badly understood internet game theory, the self-proclaimed pickup artists. If you're mercifully unaware of this genre, um, they're neckbeard scum who like to try and trick people into having sex with them via an increasingly creaky castle of stratagems. It's actually a fascinating near miss of self-awareness when you think about it, but they do bank mad cheds on YouTube. Um, and we, we can borrow some of their techniques to help you pick up Christmas, to really manufacture some consent for Santa. Now, there are a few techniques in their arsenal, and I didn't want to spend more than about 10 minutes on a pickup artist website, so you're only getting the hits. Now, the one that gets a lot of, lot of attention is, is a technique called negging, being kind of pointedly negative. And this is where, in, in a pickup scenario, they pay backhanded compliments or make subtle criticisms of someone in the hope of building a dependency and a desire for validation. Sort of, um, uh, oh, I don't know, your hair looks nice, is that your natural colour? Like, slipping in a little criticism in the hope of making someone reactive. Uh, this stuff is, is like A-grade fucking garbage, but the YouTube ad revenue must mean something, right? Like. But hang on, one quick, one quick question. Does this mean that all the people who are shouting abuse at me in the street are secretly trying to have sex with me? Every single one. Wow. I must be hotter than I think I am. They are just raw boners just marching by. You're going to have a very busy Christmas if you desire it. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. This kind of attempt to, to use negativity to build reaction and build a craving for validation. So you could, you could look at your colleague's unadorned desk, perhaps, and, and remark on how nice it is that they can keep it tidy at this time of year. Or how that jumper they're wearing is, is such a lovely festive jumper. Did you, did you cut the pom-poms off yourself? Just, just some little, little thing that slips in a, a back note of inadequacy with a festive note, because you're not, you're not trying to, to manufacture consent to get down and bump your squishy bits. You're trying to manufacture consent for Christmas. So what you're trying to do is, is create an impression of weakness or negativity that positions Christmas as the desirable thing. Similar, another pickup artist technique is referred to as pawning. This is um, the approach of visibly discarding something or the attentions of someone, which is theoretically valuable in order to make yourself seem high enough status so to do. Again, it rests on a castle of absolute toss. This is th this idea of, it's tied up in all this alpha male bollocks that you find from internet misogynists that, you know, if you are a high status man, you can discard a high status woman. It's, again, this is a crock of shit. But, um, but again, they, they, they have mad followings of, of, of lonely basement troglodytes. And if your colleague is such a, such a grim killjoy, he, he may be vulnerable to some of this. So you could be visibly disinterested in something he cares about while paying attention to Christmas carols or gifts or secret Santa or, or something. You could be perhaps, I don't know, standoffish to someone they admire, then swing back to attentive where festive matters are involved. Find the VP of sales that they're so desperate to kiss, kiss up to and be visibly hostile to them at lunch, just proper shitty, right in front of your colleague. And then later, just go and offer them a giant tray of mince pies and suspiciously overstrength eggnog. Just do that thing of visibly discarding something that they would desperately want in order to embrace Christmas. A couple of other techniques, some qualifying. It's basically, I don't know why they call it this, but it's basically disagreeing with someone. Um, selectively, both in an attempt not to look sycophantic, but also to keep a conversation going while priming someone to kind of chase your agreement. Just drop in little disagreements 
in a Christmassy way. Um, oh, when like so when when your colleague says, oh, isn't you know Cedric in accounts such a fuckend? Um, you might reply with, um, oh, I don't know about that. He can be quite nice at this time of year. And then they sort of theoretically, so the theory goes, kind of have to defend their standpoint and play into yours and, and so on. The, the, the final, the little, the little, um, the fairy on the tree is a technique they call Kino escalation in this context, a uh, Crimbo escalation. Um, and this is basically all about really fucking creepy progressive encroachment, basically touching people without their consent gradually more and more until they become desensitized to it and allow you to do it. Um, it's exactly as bad as it sounds, but you're not actually going to sexually assault your colleagues, so that's probably fine. You're just going to gradually sort of encroach on their space with Christmas starting small. Uh, give them a nice gift, maybe in September, but wrap it in Christmas paper and don't remark upon it. Um, when you festoon your desk, hang things just over into their space, moving upwards. Um, invite them to a screening of Die Hard, just little Christmas adjacent things that build into their comfort zone, this kind of, in a sort of slimeball pickup artist way. The equivalent of, of one of these neckbeard twats trying to touch your elbow. It's, um, yeah, basically you're gonna utilize the worst of the internet to manufacture consent for Christmas. Ew. I don't, <clears throat> I don't feel clean. None of us feel clean. I, I, I think, I, it, Mr. Conry, would you sort of hose me down in the backyard? Yes, we've only got a pressure washer, though. It'll be fine. Brisk out tonight, after all. Now, H.J. Doom. I've come at this from a slightly different angle. I guess it's potentially related to, to game theory. I guess I'm trying to get out of that kind of zero-sum game. The way I see it, creating a harmonious working environment it's about give and take and making sure that everyone in the office feels valued. So I think it's fine to celebrate Christmas in the office, even if some people don't get on with it. But like karaoke and felching, I don't think it's right to make it compulsory. Um, there are many reasons why someone might not be in the festive mood. They could have lost a loved one at that time of year, or there might be the haunting specter of a drunken sexual misadventure with a department store Santa lurking in their past. Others, and I include myself in this population, are simply joyless monsters, incapable of feeling anything except the bitter catharsis of schadenfreude. Christmas is a long, dark time for those of this ilk, uh, an endless cycle of forced bonhomie, badly prepared mince pies, and secret Santa gifts made by, purchased by, and targeted at idiots. We each deal with it in our own way. Mine is to drink too much and then have an angry wank over videos of people falling off skateboards, which if you haven't tried it, I recommend as a sovereign remedy against the seasonal blues. What I'm trying to do here is paint a picture of the life of the office Grinch to try and present them in all their humanity such as it is. Empathy is the beginning of understanding after all. I'm not saying you need to feel guilty about your unwarranted enthusiasm for a celebration of everything that's most self-indulgent, vapid and destructive in late-stage capitalism. A festival of crude economic imperatives wrapped in a facade of Victorian sentimentalism and insincere religiosity. Whatever helps you face the uncaring void at the heart of a cruel and random universe is A-OK -okay, as far as I'm concerned. Now. 
from your question, you clearly do feel a well-deserved sense of shame for your holiday spirit, and that's not good. What you need to realise is there's literally no way of helping this person find the festive spirit. In the real world, the angel in its wonderful life ends up taking the plunge with George Bailey as he grabs him in a sudden paroxysm of panic when he takes the fatal step off the bridge and they both drown. You don't want to be a drowning angel. What you want to do is find a way of balancing the karmic scales in the office. By giving the Grinch a chance to impose his own unique worldview on the office in the same way that your Christmas jollity is impinging on him. What you need is something dark, something misanthropic, something which sucks any semblance of festive spirit from the world. I'm talking, of course, about the Conservative Party conference. Each year, at the end of September, as the shadows lengthen and the leaves die, the Conservative Party comes together to celebrate the coming of another long, dark winter. The sun has retreated, and from their dank lairs, the party activists slink, blinking their swivel eyes against the fading glow of hope. As the poor begin to worry about heating bills, something vicious awakens in the heart of every true Conservative, a lust to sit in a warm conference centre while a succession of barely human lizard people are summoned to the annual spawning, there to writhe in barely concealed ecstasy as a sequence of psychopathic millionaires bandy racist dog whistles. This is a place where Jacob Rees-Mogg is considered an intellectual, Boris Johnson a box office draw, and Theresa May the life and soul of the party. It is in every sense the antithesis of Christmas. A place where wizened horrors plot new ways to take toys away from deprived children and melt them down to build a new mausoleum to house the bones of Dominic Raab's many, many victims. It's important to get everyone in the office involved in this battle of despair. Let your colleague put up decorations bearing the names of soulless multinational corporations. Let him put a succession of funeral dirges and Gary Barlow songs on the stereo. Play fun party games like Will a Party Largely in Hock to the Forces Destroying the Planet? announce any measures to prevent the destruction of the planet. Don't have secret Santa, just pile out into the street and steal a homeless person's sleeping bag and set fire to it in front of them. Make a real event of it, he'll have a whale of a time, you'll have a completely miserable time, as will everyone else, and the karmic scales will be balanced once again. If that doesn't work, just leave a box of tissues and a DVD of hilarious skateboarding bales on his desk. He will instinctively know what to do. Yeah. We have skated quite across the surface of the problem, but let us hope, dear questioner, that you do not come to an equivalently sticky end. Good night.